What's up, YouTube family? Welcome to the Linked Up Church online experience. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Before we jump into today's video, we wanna remind you that this channel isn't just for adults. We have content for babies in the Little Linkland section, kids in the Linked Up Kids section, and relevant services for your teenagers from the plug. So grab the whole family because we're about to get started. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss a video from us. And don't forget to share this video with someone who needs to hear an encouraging message. Let's jump in. We're talking about faith lives. We're really just introducing it to you. Today is part two of that introduction. And so you can follow along right there in our linked up app. Uh, again, it'll lead you right to the YouVersion Bible app. All of the notes are right there. We'll do a quick review and then we'll pick up where we left off at on last week. By definition, or in our intro, we said that faith lives, or a true living faith, is an active relationship with God. Think about faith that way, an active relationship with God that governs at all times what we are or who we are and what we do. So faith is not merely a belief in theological facts, although we know it's a part of it, but it doesn't end there. Faith is belief in a person and what He has provided for us. If we'll put all our stake, uh, stake and all of our stock in what He's done for us, man, life will always be all right. And the grace of God that brings salvation will always produce a righteous behavior on our part. It's just something about when we know how much God loves us and how much God has done for us, it always creates the right response and right behavior and right living. So we talked about there four times in the Scripture. Anytime that God says something one time, we need to pay attention to it. But when He says something four times, four times. He is trying to get a point across right. to us. And four times is mentioned in Scripture. I won't read all four of them again, that the just shall live by faith. Those that have been declared righteous live by faith. And so, a lot of times we've only focused on the part B of that text, the just or, or we have to live by faith. But if we don't see ourselves as righteous and we don't receive what He made us, then it becomes difficult and challenging to live by faith. We will begin to put all of our confidence in what we do versus what He made us. And those are two different things. Romans 1.17, which is our primary foundation text, says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God is so serious about this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, He said, but if anyone draws back, and that means to cower, to shrink, or to shun, this is interesting, God said, my soul will have no pleasure in him. So once God has put in all of the work, He sent His Son to the cross to die, uh, to go to, to hell on our behalf, be raised on the third day, and to give us a righteousness that we could not earn or deserve on ourselves. God says, my soul has no pleasure in the person that turns back from what it is that I have made him. Folks, I came to remind you again today, 
one of the greatest gifts you've ever received is the fact that God has made you righteous. Yes. He has declared you yes. innocent. Hallelujah. You are good enough because he said you are good enough. Yes. You don't have to do anything else to gain his acceptance because you are already accepted That's in right. the That's beloved. Right. That's You've right. got to learn how to love yourself the way God loves you. See yourself the way God sees you. You should type in today, I am enough. You are just the way that you are. Don't try to change. Don't try to do something different. Listen, if God loves you, that's all that you need. Don't get right. depressed when somebody walks away from you. That just means God has something better for you. Faith will always say when negativity happens, faith will always respond, God has something better for me because he loves me that much. That's now, right. we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to go by everything else because that's where we left off at, and then we'll pick up with all new information on today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, for by grace, that word grace there is charis, and it literally means favor, graciousness, gift. It means undeserved or unearned. It says, so by grace you have been saved. <clears throat> not by faith. Mm, that's Why? good. That's good. By good. grace you have been saved. That's good. Because the moment you think it's by faith you have been saved, then you start thinking it's something you did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm this because I did that. That's right. No, you're this because he did that. That's right. And there's that's a right. big difference. That's right. So by grace you have been saved. That word saved means sozo. It means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve. This is a part of your salvation package. It means to cause you to do well. It means to make you whole. I want you all to understand it's His grace that provided all of that for you, not your faith. Your faith responds to what He has already provided That's for you. That's right. I need that to sink down yes. today, and I really need that to get in because right. nothing else we say today will make sense. Then He says through faith. So notice, Faith then responds to what grace has already provided. Mm -hmm. Faith is not the driver. Grace is the driver. That's right. And faith responds to that. So it's by grace through faith. Somebody ought to type that in. By grace, grace through faith. faith. Faith means persuasion. Pistis there is the Greek word moral conviction. But, but it's interesting. If you'll keep reading the Greek definition, it's talking about especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. So, we're really talking about faith in a person. When you put all of your faith in what Jesus did for you, then you get to walk in and live out all that He's already provided for you. The moment you think, I've got to do something to get Him to do something, you just stepped outside of That's that right. relationship. That's right. What you want to do is say, Father, by faith I receive everything that you've already provided for me by grace. So, therefore, the result of that is I am healed. I am made whole. I'll tell every person that got healed today where your back is concerned. You didn't get healed today. You actually got healed over 2,000 years ago, and your faith responded to it today. That's right. But His That's grace right. provided that over 2,000 years ago. Then it goes on to say, especially reliance upon Christ as the definition. And then I love this part. He reiterates, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. 
That's right. So in other words, that's the unearned part. That's the, the, the undeserved part. It's not that you don't deserve it. Of course you deserve it or he wouldn't have done all of that for you. The thing is, it's just that you didn't do anything to deserve it. You don't get anything else. Listen to this. God doesn't love you because you're good. God loves you because he's good. That's right. That's right. That's a big difference. God doesn't love you because you've done all the right stuff. No, God loves you simply because he's good. And there's really nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. That's right. It is just a free gift. And if it's free, all you need to do is receive it. We read Romans 3.22. New Living Testament says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not made right with God because I prayed this morning. I made, I'm made right with God because I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not made right because I tithe. I'm not made right because I give. I'm made right because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And it says, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Listen to this truth. God won't withdraw his power uh, in your life because of sin. Sin won't remove God's power from your life. This is interesting. Man, it's almost too good to be true. But you placing your trust in what you did will remove his power from your life. Mm. Because that's you trying to replace him. That's what makes this so good to be true. So then, you know, when you talk like this, religious people with a religious mindset will then say, but what about the sin condition? You know, we left off last week, and I told you that everybody, no matter who they are, atheist, Buddhist, uh, Muslim, Christian, agnostic, Satan worshipers, <laughs> everyone knows that they're raggedy. Everyone knows that they are sinners. So let's talk about this a little bit. Because, you know, when we ask about the sin nature, because, you know, religious well, t religion will tell you, but well, we got to deal with sin. How do we then deal with sin? And, you know, it, does this give people the license to sin as said last week? You know, last I heard, you don't need a license to sin. People are sinning all, all the time anyway. So I'm not advocating sin. We're not saying that you can sin because God has given you this and that because he's so good, he won't withdraw it from you. What we are saying, however, that, you, uh, you know, we don't have to address sin because we already know that it's present within us. Let me read something to you. Now, Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because it's just so good and so simple. He says in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both towards ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. So there's a part of the sin issue right now. When bad things happen, when things contrary happen, it's because the sin nature, the sin, the sin itself will block the acknowledgement, the acknowledgement or the goodness of God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. It's known, and he, didn't, he doesn't say it's known by every believer. He says the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded his knowledge inside every human heart. 
God has embedded his knowledge. God has embedded this need for something more, this desire for something greater. It's inside of every human being. How we feel it is up to us, but it's in there. Every human being wants and needs something more that, that, than what's in, within themselves. And so he goes on to say in verse 20, opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. So in other words, he's saying it's within us to know that we need him. It's within us already, every human being, no matter who he is, it's within us to, to, to believe that we need something greater because we are raggedy. We don't have every answer. We are wretched. We don't have all the answers. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't obtain all that's within us, all of our dreams and desires. We can't do it by ourselves. So it's already programmed within us that we have limits. That we, are, that we have defaults, that we have wrongs. We're already, you don't have to tell the person doing wrong that he's doing wrong. They know they're doing wrong. And that's why a lot of times people get upset with Christians or with religious people, I should say, when they start making comments about whatever the case may be. Yeah, so if you think about it, if you all are listening to what she's saying, then the, the church's job is not to convict people of their sin. That's why we've turned so many people off from coming to church. Because we tell them before you can come, you need to get that together. Not realizing you still got a whole lot of stuff you need to get together, but you still coming to church, you still serving, you still doing your thing, and God still loves you. But yet we convict other people of their wrongdoing and that's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's that's job. That's the Holy Spirit's our job. Our job is to convince them that God loves them. That's right. Right just where they are, right in the condition that they're in, and that there's no way, nothing they can do on their own to make their lives right with God. All they need to do is believe that Jesus died for them, nailed all of their sins on the cross, and in their current condition, they can be made right. I wouldn't tell them they need to stop living together. I wouldn't tell them to move out. How I many know that will come as they grow in their relationship with God? Once they see how good God has been to them, the natural response is to want my life to reflect how good God has been to it. The reality is, folks, I've been in ministry 26 years, and I have not been right for 26 years, and God kept working with me. Come on, don't look at me like that. Come on, God kept working with you. God kept working with you. God kept Come on, working with God you. didn't put me out the ministry. He didn't kick me to the curb. He didn't sit me on the That's front right. row. Come on, somebody. As long as I repented, God said I can work with that. People need to be comforted that way. They need to know that God loves them. And it is the grace of God, listen to this, that leads people away from sin and lust. He said it's his goodness. His goodness. It's his goodness. 
encouraging them, reminding them that God loves them, yeah. reminding them that God, there's nothing you can do to stop him from loving you, yeah. reminding him and letting them know that Jesus took on the cross. If Jesus could bear those stripes, if Jesus could bear that beating, if Jesus could bear people spitting on him and publicly humiliating him, he did that not for himself. He did that because he loves you. Yeah. Yeah. He loves you us. Amen. Now notice that what, what we're talking about going back to um, Romans chapter 1, what Paul was talking about, that it says that it's manifested them. And we wrote in the notes here that this issue of righteousness and this issue of what God has already intuitively programmed with is in us is to make sure that we are already aware of our need for God, okay? And that we are aware that we are sinners. Now, at, not, not that God created us to be sin conscious because he didn't. Remember, we were perfect in the garden. But at the minute of the fall, there was a download. It was like this pre-programmed response that when man disobeyed, that disobedience means instantly that we need God. Yeah. Instantly means that we need God. And, and we wrote down here that it says that he didn't do this to them. He's done this through them. Amen. Through human beings so that we know intuitively that we need God. You know, he was just talking about how God made, uh, made us to... Uh, intended for us to love one another. Now, just real quick, God, the Holy Spirit gave me this here example. Now, babe, you have some very nice shoes on. Those are nice shoes. You like those? Yeah. All right. You're supposed to say thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a nice dress on. Thank you. Dress. Thank you. Now, would you go painting a house in those shoes? No. Why not? Because these are not house painting shoes. Why aren't they house painting shoes? Because they're dress shoes for dress clothes. I wouldn't want to mess them up. I wouldn't treat them. I wouldn't cheapen them that way. God created you. He created you because he loved you. And when Jesus died for you, he says, you're not cheap. He says, you're not something to be tossed away. He says, you're not something just to be left to garbage and to reckless behavior. You're better than sin. You're better than self-righteousness. You're better than anything that's out there. So I will die for you because I love you enough, not because of what you did or who you think you are. I love you that much because I want to. And when you take on his name, when you take in his spirit, when you fill yourself with his word, then you should see yourself as someone that's too nice to be tossed around with reckless behavior. Your response is then to take care of yourself, to store yourself well, to shine yourself up, and to present yourself in the best manner possible, just as you would a very nice pair of shoes. Amen. Amen. You are better than you probably see yourself right That's now. That's right. And I don't care what your condition is. You're better because God made you better. And the moment you begin to see yourself the way he made you, your life outwardly will begin to reflect that. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 18. Let's look at this principle another way. Let's look at Luke chapter 18. We're going to read verses 9 through 14 from the New King James Version. And it says here, And he spoke this parable unto certain who, which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous. Now, how many know you, you should really, your ears should perk up right now. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous 
And here's the key, and they despised others. And folks, this has been the attitude of the church for a long time. We got the word, hello somebody, and we look down on everyone else who we think doesn't. And the end result is that is that no one wants what we have because that doesn't even smell right for you to act like you're better than somebody else. Amen. Amen. He says, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. The, 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 the thing here is they despised others because of it. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a religious person who knew the law frontwards and backwards. And the other a publican, or another way to say that, a sinner. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this sinner next to me praying. Mm. He said, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Any time you start talking about what you do, ah, this is the condition of a self-righteous heart. Mm. Anytime you go to God and you say, God, I do this, I do that. Why did you let this happen to me? Mm. You know, that's not a prayer that God can hear. That's right. That's right. So he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off, the sinner, would not even lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Says, I tell you, this man went down to his house, declared innocent, righteous, justified, rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. I want to encourage somebody's heart today. If you want to go high, then go low. And the way to go low is by saying, God, you know more than I do. Your way is better than my way. I am going to submit myself to your word. Everything that I have is because you're good. Everything that is happening in my life, you provided it for me. When you humble yourself and acknowledge that God is the giver of all good things, and it's because he's good that you have it, God said when you get low like that, you better get prepared to go high. I love something that Michelle Obama said, when they go low, then you go high. I want to say that differently in the kingdom today. I want to tell you that when you go low in the kingdom, God said, I'll bring you up real high. Glory to God. And going low is just simply saying, God, your word is final authority in my life. That's right. And everything good that has happened in, in my life is not because I'm good, but it's because you're good. And I give you all the glory for that. This is a powerful parable, and I want to ask you all a question today. Are you more like the Pharisee or are you more like the publican? And I'm not talking about your actions here. I don't want to get into that. I'm talking about what you put your trust in. Your attitude. Are you more like the Pharisee or are you more like the publican? Do you trust in what you do for the Lord or do you trust in what he's done for you? Those are two completely different things. I want to challenge you today to shift from trusting in what you do and putting all your trust in what he did. That's right. 
Well, you know, you know, you were talking about that, and you know, who came, who came to mind? Um, you know, we have awesome people on our team. Um, we're surrounded by very great staff members, and we can't do what we do without them and without the volunteers that's still here, making sure you can see what you see and hear what you hear and, and uh, stay in touch with us. We can't do it without them, but Minister Russell came to mind. When you talk about someone that's humble, so, you know, people sometimes take humility to being and make themselves feel like being humble means I got to be a rug. Listen, Minister Russell, you know, he's our congregational care minister. He's no rug. No one's going to walk over him. He's a very humble man, but he'll rise up in the face of when it's time for praying for healing, for sickness, disease. Before we, he became a part of the staff, he was in hospitals all by himself on a volunteer basis, going through hospitals to see who will receive healing. Because he is from New Orleans. He is a wardy. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. A third ward, is that what Okay. So, and guess what? God manifests himself through him. Yeah. Not that he's done anything, but because he humbled himself enough to trust God. Yeah. Many people just received a letter this week, have been very thankful for his willingness to trust God. Amen. So then, you know, when we take it from what you just said in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, if you would go there, follow me there. It says here, um, and I'll read from the New King James, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness have not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they saw it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. Now, listen, what he is saying there is that there are two sets of people. Yeah, two I'm sorry, two types of righteousness. My little addendum back here, he's speaking to me. But there's two types of righteousness. Number one, there's a faith righteousness, which is the kind of righteousness that God responds to, which is the kind of righteousness that Jesus came to restore to us. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, I read from the Passion Translation, it says, And without faith living, without faith living within us, it will be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who, have, who give all their passion and strength to seeking him. So when you're God righteous, when you're faith righteous, when you're the kind of righteousness that God has imputed unto us, then you realize and understand that you live by this faith, seeking and understanding that it is through God that we are able, in our faith in who he is, that we are able to attain and walk in the fullness of all that he's provided for us. But then there's that number two. That number two is that law righteousness, that righteousness that comes from the law. That's what Romans is talking about up, uh, in here. And that's, some of us call it, know it better as being self-righteous. It's the righteousness by the law that is based on performance. It's based off of what Pastor Gregory just was saying, on what we do, on how we act, on what we pay in our tithes, on how much we show up to church, on where we serve, whether we're on the deacon board or the usher board or the choir or the praise team or wherever the case may be. It's this here... Uh, Faith or this type of righteousness that's based off of what we do. And the truth is, no one can perform well enough to attain what God has promised us. Amen. You cannot. And I think that's the foundation for so much despair that's in the earth today. That we have been so let down and so disappointed by not receiving 
the reward of what we thought our actions should have brought us and, and not receiving uh, or not getting what we thought we should get from other people. We now fall into this sunken ship of hopelessness, and in that hopelessness, we find ourselves in despair. When God says, hey, not so. I am the restorer of your soul. I am the promise keeper. I am the holy one. I am perfect, and I am righteous, and it's in me only that you can trust. And when you do that, then your hope is renewed every single day. Uh, Isaiah chapter 64, verse, verse 6, in the first part of verse 6, he says, I'm talking about self-righteousness now, but we are all like unclean things, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point is guilty of the entire law. In other words, he's violated everything. So you mean to tell me if, I don't, if I'm told not to kill, steal, uh, covet my neighbor, and all this here stuff that, we ta that we're taught in our little Sunday school classes, and I mess around and I lie, I'm now guilty of murder. I'm guilty of covetousness. I'm guilty of lusting after my neighbor. And that's what it says. That's what happens when we're basing everything off of what we do. So in other words, if you did 99 out of 100 things right and one thing wrong, you're guilty of it all. But in God, if you do 99 things wrong and do one thing right, he says, you're still righteous because you put your faith in who I am and I still see you as clean, holy, and perfect because of the blood of Jesus that covers you, that keeps you, that has restored you and redeemed you and made you back, brought you back to me. Now... Now, today, many people wouldn't consider themselves self Well, no, there are people that know doggone well that they think that they're right all the time, that think that they know the answer all the time. We don't call it being righteousness after the law, but there are people that are out there, control freaks. You know, I had to confess to a girlfriend the other day that I can come across as a know-it-all because a lot of times I think I know it all. And so I have to humble myself and say, hey, I ain't got that much in me. I don't know. I'm too foolish to think that I have the answer to just about everything. Now, does that mean I don't incline myself to education and knowing? No. But it does mean that I need to humble myself enough to know that God sees it can separate tomorrow from today. And he sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And so it's not based on your morality or what you do. It's only based on who you trust. Amen. So let's pick up from here. Romans 9. Let's read the rest of Romans chapter 9, 32 and 33. Oh, can I this read that from the Passion? Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's looking at me like, listen, you didn't took up enough time. I want to read this from the Passion because it's so good. So then what does all this mean? Here's the irony. The non-Jewish people who weren't even pursuing righteousness were the ones who seized it a perfect righteousness that is transferred by faith. Yet Israel, even though pursuing a legal righteousness, did not attain it. And why is that? Because they did not pursue the path of faith, but insisted on pursuing righteousness by works, as if it could be seized another way. They were offended by the means of obtaining it and stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, be careful, I am setting in Zion a stone that will cause people to stumble, a rock of offense that will make them fall, but believers in him will not experience shame. Who is that stumbling stone, that stumbling block? It was Jesus. In other words, can it be that simple for me to obtain righteousness just by believing Jesus? God says yes. Okay, did you all catch that? 
So it's just that simple. So they were stumbling over trying to keep all of that, and all they had to do was believe in Jesus, and Jesus took care of all the rest. That's right. I don't know about you all, but that is just a peace of mind to me. Yes. That I don't have to do all of that. All I've got to do is believe and put all of my faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look at it another way. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21, and let's read verses 28 through 32. Now, I have to confess that, you know, I haven't ministered faith in a while, which I'm really looking forward to getting through the intro because then we get to talk about how to actually live by faith. The reality is I lived faith legally for many years. Mm. I followed formulas and steps, and all of my faith was in if I do this, then God will do that. And for me, I'm just talking about myself. I had to back up for a little while and say, wait a minute. Because I would talk to people, and people were on the sidelines, frustrated, exhausted. I did all of this, and nothing happened. I did exactly what they told me to do, and it didn't happen. I did it the way they told me to do it, and it didn't happen. And, and when I started thinking about that is because we had literally, and I'm talking about myself, we had literally taught people to do this, and God will do that. Mm, that's good. And in reality, it's no, God did this Believe that. You all see the difference? And then that is what's already, it already belongs to you. All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 21. Let's look at it another way. Matthew 21, 28 through 32, and we're really trying to get us out of our own righteousness over into what he provided for us. Matthew 21, 28 through 32 says, out of the New King James Version, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it and went. Now, the New King James Version actually didn't do a good job of translating that word regretted there. If you look in the King James Version, the literal translation there is repented. And this is really all God asks for us. Repent simply means that I, I really, really am convicted about what I did. Now I've changed the way I think, and I'm going to turn and go in a different direction and do the right thing to do. How I many you know God can deal with that kind of person all day long? I'd rather deal with someone that just say, I'm not going, right? But then get their heart right, come back and say, hey, that, that's on me. That's my bad. I'll go do that. Let's keep reading because there's another person in this illustration here. It says, so he repented and he went. Then he came to the second son and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, but he did not go. Jesus asked the question, which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, his disciples, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly I say to you, this is a powerful statement here, that tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you. Mm. Ooh, wow. Wait, and now, you got to understand, the leaders tax, of the church. talk to the leaders of the church. Tax collectors were considered the scum of the earth along with harlots. And he said, they're going to enter the kingdom of God before the religious people. Let's talk about why. Let's keep reading here. Powerful statement here. Verse 32, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, 
you did not afterwards, again, that word there is translated relent in the New King James. It's actually repent is the better translation. It says, after you saw that, you saw them repent. Watch this. And afterwards, you didn't repent and you didn't believe in Jesus. Isn't that an interesting statement there? So I want to encourage someone. I want to give all of us an opportunity today. If you put more stock, if you've been that person, I'm telling you, I've been there. I've had to do a lot of repenting lately. So if you've been that person that you had more confidence in what you did and less confidence in what he did, I just want to give us all a moment right now to just check our hearts. And if we need to repent, then let's repent right now. Let's just take a moment right now. Father, for every time I have put confidence in what I did, I repent from that, Father. Every time that I told you I would do something and I didn't do it, Father, I repent from that. Father, I repent from every action or response that does, did not bring you glory. I change the way I think about it right now, Father, and I ask with the help of the Holy Spirit to help me align myself more with your way and less of my way. Help me, Father, to put all of my faith in what Jesus provided for me and less in what I provide for myself. And so, Father, I repent from every poor, bad attitude that I've ever had about a, a self-righteousness and a confidence in me versus a, a God-righteousness and a confidence in you. And I thank you that I walk away free today, never to return back to that mindset again. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we just lift our hands and thank God for that right now? Go ahead, right where you're at. Just lift your hands and thank the Father for it right now. He receives your repentance. I thank you. You stand before him as innocent as you ever have right now because God loves a heart that's willing to repent, change the way it thinks about something, and then lives a different way. Right. See, we can't really teach you about living by faith until you get out of yourself. That's right. That's right. That's right. We've got to get out of ourselves so that we can get more over into him. Now, we're going to go ahead and just bring this on down the home stretch. We all need a Savior. Mm -hmm. Somebody say, I need a Savior. <laughs> I don't want to think about what my life or where my life would be had I not met Jesus. Anybody else in here willing? Right. I don't even want to think right. about. Yes. I need Jesus. Yep. <laughs> I need him all day, every day. I need him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think anytime I allow my mind to go dormant, boy, if I ever follow one of those thoughts, man, I could just be a wreck in one day. Yeah. I need Jesus. Somebody type in, I need Jesus. I need yes, him. Yes, I, I need him. him. I need him. So I want you to think about this. When you start trusting more in you, you are in trouble. I don't need to pray. I got this. I don't need to give. I got this. I don't need, I, I got this. Anytime you, you start having more confidence in what you do, I'm telling you, man, repent immediately That's and right. get back over where you need to be. That's right. When you do that, what you're actually saying is Jesus' payment for sin wasn't enough. Mm. You're saying that you have to add to what Jesus has done. I personally believe, don't take this, this, this is Joel Gregory. I personally believe that is the greatest sin of all 
when I say to Jesus, what you did is not good enough, so let me help you. Mm. <clears throat> See, either Jesus paid for it all or he didn't pay for any of it. Mm -hmm. It's not Jesus plus you, it's Jesus or you. Yo, that's good. I hope you caught that. It's not you doing your best and then Jesus making up the difference with grace and mercy. If you try to mix the two, then you have totally <clears throat> polluted what Jesus has done. It's either faith righteousness or it's your righteousness. Yep. But not a combination of the two. Let's close the day with Romans chapter 11, verse 6. New King James Version. It says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, then it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So it's either you or it's God. It's either what he did or it's what you did. Mm. I want to challenge you today. Put all your stock in what he did. I want you to just by faith right now tap in. It's by grace, not my works. It's by grace and grace alone. And I put all my faith in what he did and none of my faith in what I do. When we teach faith, we're not going to teach you a formula. We're not going to teach you three steps in a poem. We're going to teach you to put all of your confidence in what he provided for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. And in that salvation package is everything that you will ever need to live successfully in this life. He either did it all or he did none of it. Amen. And again, I want to leave you with this thought today. Either he did all of that and all of that belongs to me, or I believe I've got to do something to get him to give me what he already provided me on that cross. And that's stressful, folks. That's going to create a lot of anxiety in your life. So now, it'll take a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit for you to understand this. Because so much of my life, our lives have been in, I'm a good person because I go to church. I'm a good person because I sing in the choir. I'm a good person because I serve. No, if you're a good person, it's because you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You're not good because of what you do. You're good because of what he did. But what you do is in response to what he did. So good. And faith is responding to that. That's right. Once you do, this will transform the way that you view God. It'll transform the way that you relate to God and the way that you receive from God. See, I'm not trying to get God to give me something. I'm receiving what he's already provided for me, and there's a difference. It's going to transform your relationship with him. I'm not working to get her to love me. I'm receiving the love that I already know she has for me. I mean, I know there's a difference. There's a lot of it. It's a lot of it. If I believe I got to go home and do something to get her to respond to me, I mean, that's going to wear me out. I know I don't have to do that. I know this woman loves me unconditionally, and everything that she is comes with her love for me. And I know that. I have a lot of confidence in that. In fact, the other day I said, I love you. And you said, why? 
And I responded because I want to. Because if I start getting into the list of what he does to make me love, to, to, which is nothing, I love him because I want to. God loves you because he simply wants to, and not because of what you did. And that's the best kind of love. And, and that's freedom. That's liberty. A whole lot of freedom. We dropped our daughter off at school on yesterday. We dropped my son off this Thursday. It's a whole lot of freedom getting ready to come to our household. We getting ready to be empty nesters, boy. Let me get back to the message. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I encourage you to just humble yourself and ask God for supernatural revelation of this truth. I want you to humble yourself. And in your prayer time, you can do it right now if you want to. Ask God for supernatural revelation of this truth. When you truly get a hold of your righteousness that His grace has provided, then you'll truly be able to live by faith. I love this statement here. I guarantee you this will set you free from sin, not free to sin. Mm, that's good. The difference. That's right. You'll wind up living holier accidentally than you ever did on purpose, trusting in what you're doing. <laughs> that's good. That's good. You'll serve God out of love stricter and stronger than you ever would out of legalism. That's right. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and it's the truth that'll set you free. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Some God wants somebody out there watching today to get free from yourself, to live in all of the victory that God has already provided for you. God wants somebody out there to stop trying to do everything on your own and receive everything that He's already provided for you. And the way you do that is by having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So if you're out there today and you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you've ne never received Him as your Savior, if you're out there today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm saved, but man, I, I just, legalism, I've just been out doing my own thing. I've been out trusting in my own works, and I know that's gotten me away from God. I want to come back to Christ today. I want to rededicate my life. Either one of those invitations apply to you today, specifically you. I want you to lift one hand towards heaven, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. And I have been declared righteous and innocent before him in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We both believe with all of our heart. People pray that prayer sincerely from your heart. We believe that. We know that you did. We want you to take your next step. There's some information on your screen right now where you can get connected with that decision. 
follow that information. There's also a phone number on your screen as well. We have live ministers that are willing and ready to answer any questions that you may have about your salvation or coming back to Christ. Today is step two. Maybe you want to join Linked Up Church today. You can do that as well. Just fill out that information on that Connect card, and uh, we'll follow up with you accordingly. We want you to know that God loves you, and we love you too. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right. And you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.